Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Teachers Talking Podcast. This is episode three from Information to Impact, where we're going to talk about redefining professional development in education. I'm Dustin, and I'm here with my co host, Ghazali. And I'm glad to be back with my fellow host, uh, Dustin. Uh, I miss him so much. <laughs> we have not <laughs> seen each other for uh, over a week. And I can't wait to get into this week's topic. I am also very excited to get into this week's topic. Um, and as we are moving forward, we're finally getting into like more specific content where we can get more in depth into the things that we're talking about. So very excited to be talking today about professional development and really kind of the challenges that professional development has put on teachers over the course of time. And so Ghazali, I would love to know a little bit of, if you could just share with us a little bit about what your experience with professional development has been and how it's shaped your teaching journey so far. Okay, good question. Um, basically, that's my main role in school. Uh, I'm, a, I'm the, the professional developer. <laughs> so I'm the one who does the training for the teachers. Um, I think um, so far it has been, um, you know, there are pros and cons. Um, and that's why today's topic is so relevant uh, when we're talking about the the impact of professional development, we know that there will be impact, positive impact, and we want to have positive impact. But sometimes um, this is outweighed by certain other factors. For example, like uh, time factor is a very big thing because schools, we all know we have limited time to cover the curriculum that we want. But at the same time, we need to train the teachers, which is why sometimes you know we fall into the trap of just using a one-size-fit-all approach because that is the most time-efficient one. Don't you agree? It, it is the most time-efficient, um, but the, it also has its own, you know, struggles, I believe. So um, what have, since you're in charge of professional development now, I, I'm assuming that has not always been the case. Mm -hmm. What did PD look like for you as a, just as a teacher before you started leading PD? All right, so uh, before I started leading PD, PD was really like a, a one-size-fits-all approach whereby the school uh, decide where the direction is. For example, let's say we want to, to do uh, assessment for learning. Then everybody will be training on assessment for learning. So, for example, the use of rubrics, uh, how to give proper feedback, and everybody is doing that, the same thing. Right, and to a certain extent, this is still the way that we do things, uh, even now because the school has the direction and we want everybody to go in a certain way. But even then, I feel that, um, what has changed in terms of my approach is that we do focus on assessment for learning, but then because it is such a wide topic, um, we do realize that certain teachers have uh, their own specific needs within that topic. So we don't really tell them you need to cover this, 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 this. We let them decide um, if you're weak in a particular area, for example, feedback, um, how then can you look at feedback and how to improve feedback to your, to, uh, to your students so that they can benefit from it. How about at your own school, Dustin? Yeah, I mean, 18 years in education and definitely more times than not, it's been a one-size-fits-all 
professional development. Um, sometimes that PD has been beneficial to me, um, but I've all, almost always had to find my own time to implement and, and apply that learning. Um, and I think for me, more times than not, when it's professional development on the school level, it's rarely actually professional development. I've you know, my leaders have always called it PD time, but really it's more meetings. And I think one thing that I would like to see done differently is separating the idea of like what is informational and a meeting and what is actually professional development and calling it that so that when we are walking into a point in time that that is our mind is is in that place. Uh, we, because I've worked in charter schools, um, for a large majority of my career, those are like a network of schools. And so in those places for me, some of the professional developments have been professional development days in which I go to multiple sessions over the course of a day. Uh, the times when that's benefited me the most are the times when I have chosen the sessions that I'm going to attend, whether personally or with a leader. So that we're both on the same page about what I'm doing, why I want it, why I want that professional development, et cetera. But I've also been in situations in which a leader has chosen those sessions for me. And those have become problematic more times than not, because I've been signed up for things that I did not need. Sometimes I've been signed up for double that sessions, like I've done it semester one, and then that leaders, that same leader set me up again for that same session semester two, which showed me that that my my leader wasn't actually paying attention to my development either. Um, because if they were, they would have been tracking where all of their teachers were, were doing, right? So the time factor is very, very difficult. I think even on a school level, so often when we have done school-wide PD, which are valuable at times, if, if we want to have something that's common, like you mentioned rubrics and rubric development, the use of rubrics, right? That's something that can be common across a school and you can do a professional development session on that. It's what happens after that professional development that I find to be critical and oftentimes missing because we get taught these things, but then we process information at a different in different levels and in different ways and it takes us a different amount of time to process information that's just human nature so we need time to process we need time to apply and implement we need time to reflect on that and see how it went and we need time to make adjustments and very rarely is any of that time actually provided so it's often that we just get this professional development session and then all that time that goes into actually making it a reality in the classroom just is never provided for us. Okay. So that's yeah, been that's my true. experience. Yeah. Similar here. Yep. So what ways would you say you have felt supported or unsupported in your professional development as an educator? Um, I think uh, I felt very supported in the sense that um, I was allowed or given space to learn on my own um, important things uh, to develop myself and then I could bring it back to, to the school and to train the teachers. So in that sense, I, I felt I was very uh, supported. 
And that is something that I treasure a lot because I like to explore my own learning. I like to do my own reflection. Okay, so, but again, I would have to emphasize the main area of weakness always is the time factor whereby we are not given enough time to reflect. So we are only training, 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 training. We implement, but we lack that reflection time, which actually, if you ask me, is the most important part of the training because that's when you actually learn and you actually realize, you know, oh, I I did this well, or I didn't do this well, or I could improve on certain other things. Um, and, and what do I need to get even better in what I'm doing? So that comes with reflection. But that part, the reflection part, the reflective part is usually the part which gets left behind or, you know, because it, we, are, we are too busy covering curriculum. So mm-hmm. everybody's thinking, I've got to finish the syllabus. I've got to finish the syllabus. But the training that you did in the beginning of the year, there is no follow-up. Um, and then before you know it, it's the end of year exams. And then the results come in. And then you look at the data and you just are just amazed. Where did the time go? You know, and, and then it's time for the holidays. You know, when I'm not going to be reflecting during uh, the holiday period, I want to go off uh, to to for my vacation. So mm-hmm. that, that's the part that that's, uh, get lost in translation, so-called. Yeah. 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 Um, I agree. And I would say I've mostly felt unsupported when it's come to big picture, one size fits all professional developments, though I have had some leaders who do follow up and those have been the most supportive types of PDs is when a leader says, so tell me about the sessions that you went to. What did you learn? What do you want to do with that information? And the next time we meet, following up with that and saying, okay, so you said last time you said you wanted to do X, Y, and Z, have you tried any of it? How is it going? What support do you need? Right? So I have had moments like that. And that for me, those have been the most valuable pieces of PD and support from PD that I have, you know, exhibited. I took that when I became a school leader and that's how I acted with all of the people that I coached and, and worked with. I made sure that any, I always knew what professional development people were going to. I, I followed up with that professional development and asked them, what did you learn? What do you want to do? How can I help you make that happen? And then we, that was an ongoing conversation. I also used my coaching time to try to help provide some of the time for people to be able to start implementing, or we worked on things collaboratively so that they could start to apply and implement. So I think that's what worked really well for me. And so when I became a leader, I wanted to reciprocate that. You know, it's what I find really interesting about professional development And this kind of takes us into our next segment, the irony of uniformity (laughs) is why don't we differentiate for teachers? We are asked to differentiate for our students. We know that our students come to us at a wide variety of levels, a wide variety of skills, a wide variety of needs, a wide variety of trauma. And we are expected to adjust as teachers for our students. But the reality is just because we're adults doesn't mean that we don't need things differentiated for us because we also come with a variety of skills, a variety of needs, a variety of traumas, right? So 
I think about that a lot when it comes to professional development and the, this idea of the differentiation for students with a lack of differentiation for teachers. How do you yeah. feel? I think uh, it's because uh, for teachers, they uh, you could look at it in two ways. Firstly, we fall into this trap of thinking that teachers are like blank slates. Initially, we thought of students as being blank slates, you know, that you pour the knowledge into them. And then we're starting to think of teachers as blank slates as well, where you pour the knowledge into them. So you don't really realize that, hey, we actually come in or teachers come in at different levels of competency, you know, um, and, and knowledge bases. So then we decide, okay, so they need to learn this, 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 and that. And then we just pour it into them. So that is one perspective. Another perspective is that uh, we don't know what we don't know. Or rather, we do not know what the teachers don't know. Yes. So that's very important for us to do a learning needs analysis at the beginning of the year. A simple survey. Uh, if you want to do differentiated instruction, if your school wants to do differentiated instruction, you need to know first what your teachers know about differentiated instruction. Because your teachers come from very wide um, backgrounds. You know, they could be beginning teachers. They could be pre-service teachers who are going to your school for training. They could be experienced teachers who have been around for like 25 years in the teaching service. So you need to know from where, where they're coming from. And then you can tailor a proper workshop. You can make use of those teachers with 25 years experience to be your table facilitators, for example. Then they take on different roles. You can make your um, your teachers who are beginning teachers. They may be beginning teachers, but they may have uh, external experiences doing other jobs. So what kind of experiences can they bring in from the current modern world you know that uh, we are living in right now with the advent of AI they may know certain things about it that we don't know because we've been stuck in school for decades yeah so this is where we bring in uh, experiences and we realize that um, teachers also come from different levels different perspectives different backgrounds we need to know what uh, where they're coming from and what they already know before we can decide what they need to close the gap or what do they need to become even better teachers? How about mm -hmm. from your own experience? I agree with you completely. Um, and, you know, I'll throw another type of teacher out there. And I don't know if you experienced this in Singapore. I'm, I'm curious to know kind of what this looks like in other places around the world. But in the United States, because of our teacher shortage, a lot of people are now teaching who have absolutely no teaching experience whatsoever, have not gone through teaching programs. They are not necessarily being required to have teaching credentials. Um, and so not only do you have beginner teachers, veteran teachers, teachers in the middle, teachers who have who have you know traditionally taught high school, who are now in middle school, vice versa, all the, right? Like there's so many different adjustments, but now you have teachers who are jumping in to support. They might be going through a program while they're currently starting to teach, right? But th there's so many people now who are in classrooms who don't have any experience at all. And that means professional development for them is even more critical than it is for almost anybody else. Like they are like a beginner teacher, but even with less experience. So yeah, I think about that. that. Do, you, do you experience that at all? Yes, because we we have this program whereby uh, people who want to become teachers, they have the necessary qualification, but they have not gone for uh, teacher training yet. So what they can choose to do is to apply for like relief teaching. That I guess in the States, they are substitute teachers. 
where you they can come into the school for teaching experience for a year. Then they decide, oh, okay, uh, teaching is for me. And then they will go for the training. Yeah, so those will be the kind of teachers whereby I think what you're mentioning about those with no uh, prior experience coming into the school setting. Yeah, and I guess that's also, you're right, um, these teachers will probably need more uh, professional development, more training, um, and maybe even to go one step further, not just that, that's where we go into the area of mentorship. So mm. professional training, plus mentorship. So they are partnered with a senior teacher who can you know, teach them the ropes, guide them, uh, show them a bit of the shortcuts and, and what are the effective uh, teaching strategies so that they don't really try to reinvent the wheel and make the same mistakes that uh, the senior teacher have, has uh, done before. So they learn. So it's a buddy system in that sense. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. So there are that category of teachers as well. Yeah, yeah. and I think... I think too that what you're mentioning right there of like teacher mentorship, also leader coaching, um, are different form different forms of professional development. Like just because we go to a, a session with 30, 50, 100 other people, like that's one kind of professional development. But other kinds of professional development happen more one-on-one -on -one with a variety of people or in small groups. And then to get to your point about using people with different expertise to help you facilitate um, professional developments, I think is also critical. Another way that I have always been a proponent, proponent of differentiating instruction for teachers is actually offering multiple sessions on a school level. So if school leaders know where you said, give a survey at the beginning of the year to try to start to understand where do teachers feel they are, what needs do teachers feel they need. That's entry points for leaders who are working closely with teachers and leaders should be working closely with teachers. And I think a lot of times they're not. Oftentimes leaders become quote unquote managers. Teachers don't need managers. We don't need somebody to check up on us, to try to hold us accountable for data, to hold us accountable for what our lesson plans look like. We for the most part, have gone through programs to teach us these things, trust us to do our job, listen to us when we say what I need is X, Y, and Z, and provide me with X, Y, and Z. Through differentiated professional development, a, a leader can develop a program at their school in which Sometimes we need we have a common goal across a school and we all need to be in one room together to learn something and develop something together. That's one type of professional development. Another type is to offer multiple sessions and to use your teacher your teacher leaders who are experienced in different ways to offer multiple sessions. So you could say, "Hey, this Friday when we have professional development time from 1 to 3, you have an option of attending one of these choice sessions that we have developed for the school and people can go to the session that is most relevant to their needs. And that can be led by school leaders, but it could also be led by other teacher experts. And that can shift up over the course of time. I think we talked about time earlier in this, in this uh, episode and that's another place where you can give time because sometimes the development need is time. And so every once in a while, have some choice sessions, but all one of those choices should be 
go do what you need to do, whether that's planning or grading or calling parents or whatever, that should be an option. Not all of the time, but sometimes that should be an option. And when we do have a differentiated sessions like this, leaders should know exactly who attended what, when, so that when you offer differentiated sessions again, you don't have a teacher who every single time chooses work time, right? Because that'll happen. But more times than not, teachers want to learn. We just get frustrated with being forced into a room where we are all learning the same thing. And nine times out of 10, half of the people in that space don't need to hear what's being talked about. <laughs> and nine times out of 10, there's no application piece to that development. So it ends up being information over development. Yes, exactly. So it becomes like a pen and paper exercise where you just want yeah. to record down training was done. You know, it's for somebody's portfolio development rather than the teacher's development. Yes. So um, I would love to know, do you have any particular instance in which you felt that one size fits all PD approach was particularly challenging or do they all seem to kind of fall into, you know, one bucket for you where they were just all <laughs> for the most part, all challenging. Okay. So um, they were particularly challenging during the COVID period because everybody was at home. So um, in that situation, you almost had no choice. You had to do a one size fits all and you have a tailor made topic, which is, uh, Ad, uh, ad tech or blended learning because you need to quickly teach the teachers how to use the technology such as for example this uh, zoom here zoom tech uh, to teach online so everybody needed to learn uh, that was why one size fits all approach uh, sort of was effective because every no, nobody we we were in a very unique situation so we needed to learn how to use the technology so everybody was at the same starting point, same level. But the difficulty was trying to get everybody on board. And if there was something like uh, technical issues, uh, it, it became very, very difficult uh, to to solve the problem because you can't see what the problem is. You can only go by the description. Yeah, and there are also the teachers who are really, really, uh, they, they are not IT savvy. So they don't even know how to use um the software because it's new and you have to describe to them how to use the software um yeah, online uh and it's not easy i give you an example i had a teacher whom uh i wanted to teach her how to do a cut and paste so i said press the control button you know control c and she said her laptop didn't have a control button then when I said, okay, it, every laptop should have one unless you're using a <laughs> Mac, which we are not. So show me, uh, I, you know, after like 15 minutes, show me a picture of your, of your keyboard. And then when she showed me the picture on WhatsApp, I can clearly see two control buttons there. <laughs> I showed it to her. I put, you know, that's your control button. Oh, you mean the CTRL button. <laughs> so, you know, you even call something differently and, and, and you, you can't relate. Right. So it, it makes it very, very difficult. Yeah. So that was a big challenge during the COVID. How about for you? Uh, when was it uh, challenging for you? Yeah. Um. First of all, 
these Mac computers, because that's what I use, absolutely have a control button. It actually says the word control. <laughs> it's just a little different function than it is on, on PCs. But anyways, um, I, I wholeheartedly agree that, I mean, I've had a lot of different challenging all class all or one size fits all professional developments. And, and I'm quite frankly, it's because they weren't professional developments. It was professional development time and they were meetings. Like when we get it, get together as a staff and we talk about data, that is not professional development unless you're talking about ways to use that data and apply it to your planning, your teaching, et cetera, right? But more times than not, what, what we're actually talking about is data in comparison to school goals. And we might talk about what we need to do to change data, improve data, stay consistent with data, but very rarely are we talking about how we use that data to apply it into our classrooms. And so that to me, again, I, I mentioned this earlier, there's just a very strict difference between when we are having meeting time to discuss something that's important to the school, which is important. Like I'm not trying to say we shouldn't have those times. I am saying we should call them meetings and they should be shorter. They shouldn't be hour long. Um, and we need to know when we are actually creating development for teachers and we should call that development. You talked about COVID time. I'm going to actually say that was one of the better times of professional development. Mm -hmm. I was a leader at that time. And so while I agree that one size fits all approach was critical at the start, because exactly what you said, people needed to know like what to do and how to do it because it was so brand new to everybody. Right. And so it started that way. But by the time we got into second semester, I actually started creating differentiated PDs based on the needs of my teachers. And I created in episode two, we talked a little bit about self-pacing in the classroom. I actually started to create self-paced professional development for my teachers where I was creating instructional videos and practice tasks for them to do where they could apply to wherever they were in their teaching and learning journey while we were remote. So for some people, that was how to make good instructional videos. And for other people, it was how to standard align because we were still, some people were still working on how you break down a standard and how you plan backwards and things like that. For some people, it was talking about how you make a virtual lesson more relevant. So there was just such a variety of needs. And some people picked up on technology and the way to teach remotely much quicker than others did. So for us to continue to put people into one Zoom room where everybody was learning the same thing wasn't always what teachers needed. Um, and so I actually got really good feedback from the teachers who worked with my my independent ones because I was coaching a certain number of teachers at the school. And so I just, that's who was getting the personalized PDs and the differentiated PDs. And they really appreciated that because they also worked on it at their own time. It wasn't about being on a Zoom call. And then when I met with them one-on-one, -on -one, we talked about it. And we talked about what they took away and how they can apply it. And we worked on things together. And so that's where I'm always going to come back to ultimately for teacher professional development, the, in my opinion, the absolute best way to develop teachers is through one-on-one -on -one coaching.
It's just the only way to truly reach the wide variety of needs that teachers have at a school. So there is a place for one size fits all PD. There is a place for teacher choice and differentiated PD. And there is a place for one-to-one teacher instruction and coaching. I just believe that that should be the number one priority and that the other two are the things that happen sometimes. So that's just what's worked really well for me in my own personal development journey. I got way more out of the time that I worked one-on-one with people than any time I sat in a group full of people. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah, because you can see your impact. Yeah, so that's very important. Even for us, um, this is where I think uh, we need to be able to measure what are the impact of our PD. Because, um, like I said, if you don't have that reflection component in built into your PD, how do you even discuss impact? You you can't because you need the time and the space for the teachers to see uh, improvements in what they're doing. And they need to realize that these improvements are directly related to the PD that they are doing rather than, you know, just um, offhand and suddenly you, you, you get the improvements. It doesn't happen that way. Yeah, so that's why we need the, them to process the, the PD that they are going through. Yeah. So I would say from all these things that we've talked about, I would say that there's like five guiding principles for school leaders to use in order to develop more mindful professional development. Number one is a strategic application of full PD. Differentiating between meetings and professional development and being strategic with what you are developing teachers as, as in, that should be full school initiatives. Like I want to see this thing happening in every single classroom across the board. That would be strategic application of full PD. Two, empowering teacher choice. Um, I guess that kind of goes along with number three, which is differentiated PD, but offering teachers uh, a variety of sessions. It doesn't have to be a lot. Like you can offer two or three sessions in any given professional development time and just let teachers have a choice of where they go simply so that you aren't are using your time strategically and not just putting everybody into one space all the time right so that was two and three four really transitioning from learning to application so when we do whether no matter what those development sessions are whether they are full group or small group making sure that any type of development has an applicable process to it. And then five is personalized coaching. So that gives us five different principles that leaders can use to really try to help foster better teacher growth and development. And I would even say to go along with that personalized coaching, school leaders have a lot of responsibilities. I know I've been a school leader (laughs) and a lot of things happen, which force us not only to, not only do we have a lot of, of responsibilities, but we have to be flexible within those responsibilities because 
things happen at school that you cannot predict all of the time that take you away from the things that you planned to do. And in my experience, I've had a lot of, I've worked with a lot of leaders who, when those things happen, they let their responsibilities outweigh teacher development. And usually teacher development, specifically one-on-one time with teachers, is the thing that gets pushed to the side. I know personally, when I was coaching teachers, I always, if I needed to cancel a time with a teacher, I always gave a teacher an option of a time to make that up. I'm sorry that we can't meet today. If you don't feel the need to meet, that's okay. If you would like to meet, that would be great. Here are some potential times that we could make that up. And then give the teacher an opportunity of saying like, you know what, don't worry about it. We can skip this week. I'm good. Or no, I definitely want to sit down. Let's let's reschedule. Um, but the but the problem is so often that's brushed aside. And I encourage school leaders to reflect and say, hey, we don't have the capacity to give our teachers one-on-one coaching instruction. And that's okay that you don't that you don't have the capacity. Bring somebody in who does. So I'm going to give myself a little a little self promo, but that's why I founded my company Teacher Tutor is to do just that, to save principals and leaders the time that they don't have but yet to continue to develop teachers. You don't have to have someone whose job it, it is on your campus to develop teachers. Anybody can come in to a school virtually or in person work with people to know what school goals are and then work with teachers on their independent needs to help them meet those school goals. So unless a school has someone whose sole purpose is to develop teachers, and if you can do that at a school, (laughs) that is the dream. But so many schools don't have that funding and hiring an outside consultant to do that kind of work can actually be cheaper than paying a yearly salary for somebody who's on campus every single day doing that work. The point I'm trying to make, and even though I am trying to say, hey, like, hire me. The real point that I'm trying to make is that there's ways of getting teachers this personalized coaching, and it should be an absolute priority for every single school because every single teacher deserves personalized support to be their best. And when they are not getting it, it's why part of why we are experiencing what we're experiencing with teacher burnout, with a lack of retention, a lack of sustainability, teachers unhappy. Like, yes, there's other educational factors that are causing that. It's not money. It's not. Teachers don't get into teaching to make money. So yes, teachers should be paid more, not saying they shouldn't, but teachers get into teaching for a totally different purpose because it's a calling. And every single person who is standing in front of students, who's Zooming in front of students, who is working with students, deserves to have their needs met on a personalized level. And so to me, that is just the number one thing that school leaders should be thinking about when they're thinking about teacher development. Sorry, that's my soapbox. I'm getting off of it now. 
What do you think? You 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 actually open a whole can of worms there. No no no, it's a Pandora's box. Yeah, because uh, there are a lot of topics uh, that we could actually spin off from there. We could be talking for hours on it. But uh, just to hop on to some of your of the things that you mentioned, um, uh, one of the reasons why I think we need external training or external people coming into the school for training, okay, um. I am in charge of the training for my for my school in the sense that I do the the training programs. Um, but then there is this um, there is this inherent uh, paradoxical um issue that I face that um training uh, should be developmental, right? That's why we call it professional development. But mm-hmm. at the same time, um, there's a tendency for school to turn it into evaluative, you know, because. Mm. When you're training teachers, you're looking at how good they are, or how much they've learned, you know, how much they've progressed. Then you, it goes into the report at the end of the year of how good the teacher is vis-a-vis other teachers. And then they are ranked. And then this decides your performance bonus. And then, and then, and then you know, so then teachers become very jaded or, or they see it as, hey, you're supposed to develop me, but then now you are also assessing me. Uh, mm-hmm. So how do you, how do I trust the person giving the the development uh program, if the data that is from this program is also used to assess me as a teacher later on at the end of the year, for example, yeah, then it becomes um you know that's why I'm trained uh to try and separate those two. That means I must only focus on the developmental aspect. I do not give data. For example, at the end of the year, when you want to decide how you know where the the, the ranks of the teachers are. Uh, and if the heads of the department come to me and say, hey, so and so teacher versus this teacher, who is a better teacher? I don't take part in those conversations because I say I'm not a, a school leader in the sense that, that I'm purely developmental, so I can't help you there. Uh, go and discuss using whatever evidence you have. <laughs> don't don't come to me for uh, evaluative uh, evidence on, on the teacher's performance. But at the same time, I have to also show that the programs are working. So mm-hmm. I have to to say, okay, the teachers are showing improvements in this and this uh, areas. So you see that where that's where it comes in. Um, uh, where the paradox is. Um, yeah. So that's where external people who come in, then they they have no no skin in the game. You know, they 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 are just there to give the training. Um, they are purely for developmental purposes. Yeah. So that's where someone like, uh, Dustin can go in, be objective and conduct the training. And the teachers will be over time will trust him, and they, then it, it makes it more effective training, rather than at the back of their mind they will be thinking, is this really training or am I being evaluated here? Especially if the training that you do has elements of like lesson observation, has oh. elements of like open classroom, has elements oh. of like video recording of of lessons, oh. then they will be thinking, oh no, these are actually evidence for my performance. Uh-huh. You see, so are they being evaluative or are they being developmental here? And uh-huh. if the school is not um strict in in separating these two, that could lead to a lot of uh, unhappiness in your school culture. Do you agree? I absolutely agree. Um, there is a very fine line between development and evaluation, and nobody nobody evaluates teachers the same way. So some yeah, exactly. I've been in a variety of situations where sometimes that evaluation led to a bonus, sometimes it didn't, 
Sometimes it rated me and ranked me and sometimes it didn't like everybody does it different. Sometimes evaluations were a, a, a bunch of observations combined and sometimes it was once or twice during the year. So, so yeah, that, that are, is, it is a paradox a and it is right. opening a real can of worms. <laughs> yeah. And you being a school leader before, do you find yourself having two roles like, Okay, now I'm an evaluator. No, no, now I'm a developer. You know, so do you find yourself playing two different no, roles? No. And the so reason you were purely why purely evaluator. <laughs> no, I'm not. But the reason why I say that is I I personally believe there should never be surprises in a coaching relationship with a teacher. So I was working with teachers specifically to their needs and by working with them on their needs, it automatically worked towards the evaluation system because we use that as part of our coaching, part of our growth and part of our development. So there, it wasn't about there's this thing and there's this thing. It was about how these things are tied together and I can get you to a better place, both how you feel, how you teach, all of that. And it will help you come evaluations because you'll be doing the things that evaluations are looking for anyway. So I used the evaluative rubrics and things like that in part of my coaching where I had teachers just straight up reflect in some cases, what areas do you, what areas do you feel like you're strong in? What areas do you feel like you need development in? And I kind of just bridged the gap in that way because we can be working towards school goals and working towards personal development at the same time. They, they don't have to be separated, but the reality is so many teachers, like that's not what they have. They don't have that kind of a coaching relationship. So more times than not, what teachers have is somebody who pops into their room once or twice a year and then tells them that they're a good or a bad teacher based on that one or two times that they've been in the room. And if you just happen to be in there on a good day or you happen to be in there on a not so good day and both of those things happen on a regular basis, it, it it's a reflection on the teacher. So I was somebody who was in classrooms regularly. Like I wasn't somebody who was just there once a quarter or once a semester. I was in my teacher's spaces. I tried to be in my teacher's spaces weekly and it, and at the very worst, I was in their spaces biweekly. And so it became, I made it a norm that like, I'm going to be in your classroom. And as a teacher, I wanted people in my classroom. I was inviting teachers to come and stop in and watch and give me feedback. I was inviting leaders like stop in and my students became, that was normalized then. So I didn't have to do the dog and pony show that so many teachers do when it becomes evaluation, right? Like setting up your students like, hey, the principal is coming in today. I need everybody to be on their best behavior. Let's just make this the best class we've had all, all year, right? Like that's the dog and pony. And, and I got away from that because that's not real. Like I wanted people to see what was really happening in my classroom space. I wanted feedback on what I was doing well, and I wanted feedback on where I could improve. And then I wanted someone to work with me on those areas of where I could improve. And that's because that's what I wanted as a teacher, as a leader, that's what I wanted to give my teachers. And so that's where I bridged that gap.
That's good. That's good. And in fact, I think that could even be another topic. Uh, totally where we discuss how to survive lesson observations or how to survive evaluations by the school leaders. I think, yeah, I, I would evaluation would survival. Yeah. It sounds like a board e game. <laughs> evaluation survival tips. Yeah. So as we're coming to a, a, a close in this and yeah. man, we could keep on talking. I am very curious. That's what happens when you put two teachers together. You I just know. That's why we're teachers talking. Um, <laughs> how do you believe educators could advocate for more personalized and strategic professional development within their schools? What would you, what suggestions and advice would you offer? Go with impact. You must show the impact of the personal or personalized uh, professional development. So, and who are the, our clients, who are our customers? They are the students. So if the students can say, hey, my teacher, you know, at the beginning of the year was like this, like this, but over the course of the year, she, he or she improved so much. I find the lessons uh, so engaging. Um, I can learn more. I understand. And the results show this. The exam results, you know, are showing an upward trajectory. So all these things are things that are key to showing the teachers you know, to have the buy-in that, hey, PD works and and PD helps. And once you have one or two of these teachers and the rest, you know, are uh, seeing that, look, the teachers can produce this kind of impact. And I want the same thing. Like you said, teaching is a calling. We want our students to succeed. So when these teachers show that they can do it in their classrooms, the other teachers will just also follow suit. Right. So that is my tip on uh, advocacy for PD. We have to show the impact. If it does not have impact, then you better check your PD. I don't think PD is happening. It could be like what you said, they're doing meetings, they're doing uh, fetting of exam papers, they're doing other things, they're doing schoolwork other than professional development because by the very definition of professional development, you should be getting better in what you do and your students should benefit from that. That's all I have to say, yeah. How about for yourself? And I would say I would say that if you are not getting personalized support at a school, you should go to whoever your specific leader is. I know that at some campuses there's only a principal, and so like that's your leader. I know at other campuses they have a variety of leaders, and so everybody reports to somebody differently, right? But I would say if you're not getting that personalized support, to go to that person and ask for it first of all. And if you are real and you know that that person doesn't, can't offer it because they don't have the kind of time to give you the development that you're going to need, I would then be asking that person, can I find somebody away from school that can provide that for me? And schools have professional de development in their budgets, so they can hire someone like me and there's other people out there that are like me. Uh, and schools should be able to pay for that kind of development for a teacher. And we live in a world of technology and Zoom. So these are no longer things that need to be siloed to school sites. So I think that if you're a teacher listening to this right now, and you are not getting the kind of development that you need and the kind of development that you deserve, Go to your leader and advocate for yourself. I just, and if they're not listening to you, 
go to a higher leader. Make your way up and fight your way to get what you need to develop yourself. Oh, go to Dustin. Yes. <laughs> you can come to me. <laughs> I'll work with you. Awesome. Um, so we've answered a whole lot of questions. Uh, <laughs> I don't even have a summary of takeaways today. We've talked about so many things. But I think so my, many things. <laughs> the biggest takeaway is really for teachers to advocate for themselves to get per personalized development and for leaders to truly be thinking about the way that they are developing teachers. Um, just again, reviewing those five guiding principles, strategic application of full PD, empowering teacher choice, having differentiation in PD, transitioning from learning in professional development to application, and getting personalized coaching. You want to close awesome. us out, Kadali? Oh, there's uh, nothing more I can add um, other than yeah, focus on the developmental aspects. Um, the evaluation can be a different topic altogether. So focus on the developmental aspect. And from the perspective of a teacher, you must have a growth mindset. Constantly add value to yourself so that you can add value to the kids. So, and I think the school will see the value in you. And that will add to a traject upward trajectory in your teaching career, I hope. Yeah. If it doesn't, get Dustin's help. <laughs> so <laughs> listeners, um, we would love to hear more of your thoughts. So please, um, you know, connect with us, send us DMs, comment on the podcast, leave us reviews. Please like, subscribe, and share our podcast yeah. with other teachers. Please, please, please. And we will be back in two weeks. And in our next episode, it's actually perfect timing because just as everybody is getting ready to go on winter break, we're going to have our first guest and we're going to talk about teacher well-being. So it'll be ah, a perfect, awesome. perfect episode heading into winter break. Can't wait for that one. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. Ghazali, it's always great to be with you. Thanks for being here with me. Same here. It's been a pleasure. See you again in two weeks' time. Bye, Bye -bye. everybody.